Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. Yes, we'll introduce our guest shortly, but, uh, you know, we've got, we're coming into spring, although the day that we recorded this today, we just got some snow again. Can't believe Um, it. I looked outside and I was like, what? But... (laughs) Uh, We are approaching spring, even though it doesn't seem like it today. So summer's coming up. So I'm sure there's churches that are in this summer planning mode. What do we do with the kids that are off? How do we provide camps for parents and the kids? And so why don't you give them a little bit of background of what we do in terms of a program that we actually offer to help churches implement camps and other types of outreaches? Absolutely. Emily, you know, one of the things we're passionate about here at Passion to Reach Ministries is to really equip churches to reach their communities. And uh, many times when you talk to a church, you talk to leaders and say, hey, do you guys do outreach? They say, yes, we do outreach. We, um, you know, we drop off uh, tracks in the mailboxes of people in our community, or we go out uh, witnessing on the streets. And don't get me wrong, those are great things to do uh, to get the message out. But the reality is uh, when a community feels uh, like the church cares is when we meet the practical needs of the community. And so part of what we've worked on uh, here at the ministry is what are some ways to address the practical needs of various communities? And uh, so Uh, As you mentioned, one of the things we do we're excited about is a whole bunch of summer camps, sports camps uh, in the summer for about nine weeks uh, where the church gets an opportunity to host children from the community and allow them to experience a great time, but also share the gospel with them throughout those uh, days that they're a part of the camp. And so that's a great opportunity. We also have back-to-school events that we help organize and, and really help the church, give the church sort of a blueprint to follow on how they can go about uh, engaging people in the community towards the end of the summer and coming into a new school season. So, I mean, there's so much more uh, that we offer. And so if you're listening and you want more information on how your church can impact your community uh, through some of the programming and services that we offer here at Passion to Reach Ministries, check us out at passiontoreach.com or send us an email, info at passiontoreach.com. Awesome. Well, talking about outreach and missions, we have a guest today that uh, we had an incredible podcast with him of really, uh, you know, looking at how can we uh, reach other people's, how can we uh, ask the right questions, and how can we uh, be on mission for God. So. That's right. We've got Pastor Jonathan Gallo from Central Community Church, uh, a leading church in our province in Ontario. Um, Thousands of people attend that church every weekend. And we've got some great, um, we learned some great insights just from our conversation with him when it comes to fulfilling God's mission for your life. So hope you enjoy this podcast session with Pastor Jonathan Gallo. And we are excited to welcome the executive pastor of Central Community Church and the executive executive director of Community Crew, Pastor Jonathan Gallo. Jonathan, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Pastor Fanu. Great to be here. Uh, Listen, we are so excited to talk about uh, this whole idea of mission. And, um, you know, you're a pastor at uh, Central Community Church. It's... uh, a pretty big church uh, compared to our standards in Canada here, specifically in Ontario. Um, And uh, obviously you're director of this nonprofit. And uh, John, we really want to understand how did you discover God's mission for your life? Uh, You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that say, you know what, Uh, I want to follow God's mission, but I'm not quite sure how to get there. How do I fulfill God's destiny and purpose for my life? So tell us a little bit about, uh, I don't know, how did you how did you come to faith in Christ? What was that like for you? What was that journey of discovering Jesus before even discovering his purpose for your life? Yeah, you know what? I, um, I grew up basically in church all my life. And um, <clears throat> yeah, from a very young age, you can remember going to church three, four times a week. <laughs> and uh, whether it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, a Wednesday or Tuesday evening and a Friday night. 
uh, and prayer meetings and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a lot of um, church, bro. Yeah, it was a lot of church. <laughs> I was, uh, I think, churched out by the time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the reasons why I uh, walked away a little bit and sort of started questioning, is all this stuff real? Like, why are we doing this? I've got better things to do, right? So, right. Um, yeah, it was really around that 15 age mark. I, I started questioning, like, is God real? Is this stuff that they're doing real? Are all these experiences real? And I'd experienced actually some miracles personally um, that I'd seen, but I was wondering like, okay, maybe that was like a fluke or a one-off kind of thing. Um, And so I started this journey of that really lasted into high school and then into early university where I was asking the question more from a rational point of view. Okay. Experientially, I had seen all these things happen, but could God, was he really there um, was a figment of the, our imagination. Some sociologist, sociologists had said that there's this thing, there's this phenomenon called collective effervescence, where if enough people in one place get together, most anything phenomenal can happen. <laughs> and so I had seen that and heard that. As I started down the path of uh, reading a lot of books, a lot of different religious books, uh, whether it was in Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, I, I read philosophers, uh, atheistic philosophers, agnostic philosophers, uh, existentialist philosophers, and uh, it sort of started that. It was this intellectual pursuit on what is truth, and is mm-hmm. this truth exist? Does it even matter uh, if it exists? And so when you start looking in realms of history, you can see that there was always this cycle, this cycle of people um, coming to this place of trying to do stuff without God, trying to live life without God, mm-hmm. uh, then trying to create their own reality, their own existential reality, and then falling into this place of depression and nihilism. And Nietzsche actually writes a lot about that, um, where we realize that at in, in some point, like life, what, what does life mean? And so this cycle always turns us back to the place where we have to recognize that there is a God. And uh, for me, this one day I can remember, simple day where I realized that, wow, actually it takes me less faith to believe in the God of the Bible than any other um, religion that's out there, right? So my first question was, is there a God? If there is, uh, that was an easy, rational question to, to sort of come up. And then the second one, which God is true. <laughs> if there is a God, which expression, which, so that's sort of my journey. And then after that, really it was this prayer. I prayed, God, if you're real, I want everything to do with everything to do with you and everything you offer. And if you're not real, I don't want anything to do with you. Wow. And um, that prayer actually changed my life because I started to see God supernaturally move and it was no longer uh an empirical thing. It was no, no longer a rational thing. It was actually now something experiential to me. It was personal to me. And so really out of that is, is sort of, a, I guess, a summary of my journey of faith. And yeah, you, I, I went through periods of loneliness. Um, I went through periods of not fitting in. Um, I went through periods of really trying to be accepted for what I did and not who I am. And so you run it through all those cycles, but all that really led me down that path to really trying to understand God. If, if God is real and uh, yeah, when he started working in my life, I was like, yeah, he is real. It's not just an idea. Uh, he's not just an idea. He is real. And uh, he wants to be involved in my life. So I guess that's sort of a, a summary journey of a few years. And I think, I think a lot of people actually ask that question. And um, How old were you when this was happening? Like when you kind of had that moment where you prayed that prayer? I was about 18. 18. 18 so 19. then as a young man at that age now where you're, it's no longer really you're discovering God for, um, you know, your God, not the God of, say, your parents or the church that you were in. So where did that lead you next in terms of, okay, I understand that there's a God. How did that change um, kind of your, where you were going in life and kind of this desire to, you know, you said, God, I want all of you if you're real. Like, what did that do for you when you actually discovered God is real? How did that begin to change things in your life? Uh, well, I was pursuing, um, I'd gone to university uh, to pursue 
education, I was thinking of going down one of two paths and some type of legal kind of a background. So I was toying between two extremes, uh, between police services and between law. (laughs) And (laughs) one's on one end of the spectrum and one on the other. And, um, And as I was there, I was just realizing, you know what, I'm just not in the right place. And I just had this inner sense, I'm not in the right place. So I started down really this pursuit, God, what do you want me to do? What should I do? And so I kept going to class and kept doing what I was doing and didn't really try to change anything. But um, what do you want me to do? I just didn't feel like I was actually going down the right path. Just inside, and I believe it was God actually Mm -hmm. giving me those promptings. And... um, and I really believe that my personal belief is that God wants to put us in the place he wants us to be more than we want to be in that place. And so I can see how God really began to speak to me at that, that point. And that, that was sort of inside. That was an inner awareness and inner knowing. Um, I had a lot of voices in my life, but I, there was this inner awareness that, yeah, I'm not in the right place. So that's sort of how I guess that journey starts or started for me. In fact, for me, I, I thought what was really interesting was the moment when you said you began to question everything you believed in or everything you were taught to believe in. Because sometimes I wonder if we even really believe up until a certain point where we begin to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about all the young people, I don't know, the millions maybe um, all over the world that grow up in a Christian home, in a church setting, and at some point in their life begin to question and challenge everything. And when we talk about discovering God's mission for our life, I wonder if you have to start with discovering God for our Mm -hmm. life. And, and, I guess part of the idea of discovery is that there is an unknown to it. You start off with an unknown. Mm-hmm. And many times growing up in a Christian home, you lose the benefit of the unknown because from the moment you're little, God is made known to you. You're never allowed to ask the questions and to search for him and almost like grapple in darkness for him until you come to the light. It's almost like someone turns the light on for you and lets you know, hey, by the way, God exists. And by the way, his name is Jesus. Oh, and just so you know, we're going to pray to him every night because that's what we do because we're Christians. And, and so you never get the opportunity to say, well, hold on, I'd like to turn the lights off for a bit and really ask some questions and find the light for myself. And that sort of sounds like your journey. Maybe unpack that a little bit for us, because I think there are a lot of people that say, you know what, when I really think about it, I never questioned anything. I've just believed. And sometimes what happens with that is you don't think deeply enough. You just sort of take for granted everything people, people have said all through your life. You know, this is what you got to do. This is what you got. You got to go to church. You got to pray. You got to worship. You got to read your Bible. You got to do all these things. And you, so you do it religiously, but not necessarily with a deeper sense of, wait, wait a minute, why, why am I doing all of this? And how does my life connect with this God who I say I believe in? Like, how does my life fit in to the bigger picture of what God wants to do in the world. We never get to that place because we haven't even asked the simple question of, well, do I really know God? Like, do I really have had an encounter with him? Right? So, uh, and I guess this idea of becoming before doing, right? And so how would you unpack that for somebody that's saying, you know what? I grew, I've grown up in that setting and I'm not quite sure what it means to ask those questions. Well, I think there's a couple things. I think the first thing is sometimes we're actually taught that um, faith isn't reasonable Mm -hmm. um, or we're taught don't question and uh, just believe, right? Uh, Have faith, just believe. And I, I guess I've learned that it's okay to question. I had actually this really uh, interesting high school teacher that helped me unpack this. And um, he said, don't be afraid of asking questions. If God is who he is, he's big enough to answer your question. 
it just might take you some time to get there and for you to catch up to his thoughts. Mm. Um, and so that for me was um, a sort of a stepping point, especially growing up in a place where it was all about just believe, uh, just take for what is said and believe that and don't have faith and don't pursue knowledge and don't pursue uh, things like that. And I, I realized after time, wait a second, God is big enough and he is re- he's the source of all reason and he's the source of all knowledge. And so it's okay to actually struggle in moments uh, with who God is. I think actually that's what the Psalms are about. Mm. David's struggling with God. And there's something even as Christians, once you come into faith, that you can only grow in the struggle. And if you don't allow yourself to struggle and you don't allow yourself to struggle with questions that you have, it's impossible to grow. It's almost like wanting to be a bodybuilder without going to the gym. Right. <laughs> There's something that happens when you go to the gym of questioning and you go to the gym of um, being open and honest and authentic with yourself about the thoughts you have, the questions you have, but not coming to a conclusion by yourself and not trying to make your own come to your own idea or something that's popular that you see in the world today. Um, I think, I think those are some of the lies. Some of the lies would be, don't think, I think just believe God isn't big enough to answer the questions, but, and it's not okay to struggle. Some, sometimes we actually, um, we, we actually have this, um, picture of God in our mind as this old man on a tall throne or on a big throne with a pointy finger looking down at us at all the bad things we're doing, Mm -hmm. that he's totally unapproachable, that he actually just wants to be revered Mm -hmm. um, and not known. And I think the truth of the word of God is that he wants to be known and he wants to be known personally by us. And that sometimes means we have to, we have to, um, struggle with the questions we have, but we bring those questions to him and wait for him to answer them for us. And I think that's how faith grows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how uh, our, our ability to know God grows. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's in the tough conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's the same in our own personal relationships. Right. When do you grow the most in your own relationships? Uh, when you struggle with another person and you have that talk out with them, and you talk things through. And so I think it's similar, I, even in pursuing who God is, mm. not to be afraid of the questions, but not to, take, uh, not to take just any old answer as the answer. Right. And, and to really seek it out. So, yeah, that's well, what I'd say. You could say that part of God's mission for those that he calls to lead others to faith is to help them ask those questions. Because if God is big enough for questions, I wonder if we should do a better job in sort of switching roles now. If we're, you know, in the church, if we're leaders in church, if we're leaders uh, in faith and, and, and supposed to be guides to those that are living in darkness, that part of what we do is not necessarily just give the answers, Mm -hmm. but to allow people or encourage people to ask the right questions so God can provide the right answers to them. Right. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when we come into, when we talk about God's mission and doing something for God, I think it it comes across that, you know, we find these prepackaged answers and we just give the answers to as many people as possible, right? Nothing wrong with giving people the answers, but sometimes it's like trying to feed a child that's not hungry. It's really difficult to do that, you know, but creating hunger, creating want, creating desire, helping people ask questions. I think from what you're telling me right now, I'm thinking that is a great way to help people discover who God is. And And I think as a leader, right? Yeah, I think as a leader, you actually need to be okay with the questions that people ask Mm. that you don't know the answer to or have never Mm. thought before. That's good. And rather than being insecure and be like, oh man, I need to have the answer for everything. Um, and I need to have the answer for every question that comes up or be defensive when a person has a question that seems um, to be, to sort of contradict mm-hmm. maybe a, a personally held belief. It's, it, mm-hmm. you have to take that other position where you're like, okay, let me listen to this question and 
start to dig deeper and ask the question, what is the deeper question behind this? What are you really asking? I think Jesus did that um, a lot. Uh, and I think, I think actually, it, I think part of our job is to help people to be okay with the questions they have, but help them discover what God's word says uh, about it. And for me, some of the greatest questions I've gotten are from new believers mm. because they're, they're, they come from totally different perspectives. They think things that I, I've never thought before. And I go in sometimes to classes with an agenda <laughs> and then a question is asked. And I have a choice in that moment. Am I just going to go with my agenda or am I going to stop and actually engage in that question? And, and I've learned that actually there's some spiritual richness that happens. There, there's this um, depth that actually happens when we stop to be okay with the questions that people ask that we may never have asked or no one before we were never taught to ask or mm-hmm. they were never there, but we have to be okay with the questions rather than saying, yeah, don't worry about that question. I'm going to skip over that question because I want you to hear what I want to say. And that that's where authenticity is really important. And it's okay sometimes to say, you know what, that's a great question. I don't have the answer, but let me think about it. So do you have any practical tips maybe or some keys when it comes to if there's people in this stage or maybe they're witnessing to someone and they're kind of like, okay, what if they ask me a question I don't understand? How do I begin to help them understand the answer or to discover certain answers if maybe they have uh, a non-believer in their life who's maybe asking questions or and they're trying to help them through this process? Like, is there any particular keys or tips that that you could give someone if they were in that place? Well, I, I don't think you have to get that out of your mind that it's your job to answer every question and you can't, you can't be intimidated. Um, you can't believe the lie that it's your job to convince them to God. <laughs> mm. um, it's not your job to convince anyone to God. The Holy spirit draws people to himself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the first thing is to acknowledge the question because behind every question is an emotion. Mm-hmm. And, and when you, uh, when you identify that emotion and you um, satisfy the person that they understand that there's the emotion, then they actually know that you're hearing you, even if you don't have the answer. So for example, you get asked a question, um, this person in my family has this kind of lifestyle. Could God ever love them? Because if he couldn't ever love them, then I don't want to be a Christian. That's a great line that's being used a lot these days. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, you know what? Um, I hear you. I'm sure it's really, really difficult to understand how could you reconcile what's going on with, with a God of love, but maybe actually there's a deeper way for us to talk about that together. Maybe we could discover that together. So you're acknowledging that they have the emotion. You're acknowledging the question. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is I always encourage people don't get into intellectual debate with people. Mm. Um, but always talk out of the experience of your own life. Like, um, I'll tell people, this was my own personal experience. Like if God did a miracle for you, you talk about that because it's not just an intellectual thing. They have to experience God for themselves. And to me, the biggest thing I will say is, listen, if you, if you're serious about asking this question, then I really encourage you to pray the prayer. God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to know everything about you. And, and if you're really serious, this is not a debate. You're not trying to see if you're right and I'm wrong and whose sides we're on. Um, I always encourage people, ask, just ask God to reveal himself to you mm-hmm. and move beyond it being an intellectual thing. Um, because sometimes the, <laughs> there's a roadblock and I think it doesn't matter where you get, right? We can't convince people to God, just, right. but we can, we can acknowledge the question mm-hmm. and we can acknowledge the one who can answer the question. Mm. That's good. So when it comes to it comes to fulfilling our mission now, and so obviously you ask these questions, uh, you come to faith in Christ, you want to be a lawyer or a cop, and from there you end up becoming a church planter, which was an interesting part of your journey. Yeah. And so, what were the questions that led you to taking that turn? 
mm. in your life? I mean, obviously this isn't, you know, I want to become famous. I'm going to be a church planner. I want to make a lot of money. I'm going to be a church planner. Uh, <laughs> I want to have, you know, a 30 year career and retire. Well, I want to be a church man. That's not that. Those are not usually the kind of questions that get you to becoming a church planner. So Pastor John, what led, what were the questions that led you there? I think it's the same ones that lead me now. Um, God, what do you want me to do today? <laughs> really? Um, I, I think it's actually that simple. It's, it's all about the relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And out of that, you hear nudges of God nudging, nudging you, and you actually become in tune with his nudges, and you begin to hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, and he speaks to you to do something, sometimes, it, most times, it actually requires steps of faith. Mm. And so those steps of faith are then the moments that actually open up the next door. So for me, it was to go to Bible college and that was a step of faith. I didn't have the finances, but God provided for that. Um, uh, really interesting how he provided that, but he, he provided those funds uh, for that, for those years. And then coming back, what do you want me to do? And so I, I just a little bit at a time. And it was like the next door opened, the next door opened, the next door opened. And so um, you, I always, and I think, I, I don't know if I said this before, but um, here on this podcast, but I, I really believe that your to-do comes out of your to-be. As you walk with God one day at a time, he shows you the next thing. And if you can hear his voice and you grow in him, and you get his word inside of you and you spend time with him yourself and you grow to know him for yourself, not through other people, not through other books, not through other um, pastors and evangelists and, and uh, prophets and apostles, but for yourself, not to say they're, they're, it's not bad and you know, are not good to actually listen and get counsel. I'm not saying that at all. I think it's important um, and to get teaching. I think it's important. But to get to know his voice for yourself, to get to know his word for yourself, he begins to, to speak to you. And then the moment you take a step of faith, it's a doorway for him to speak to you more. And if he can see that he can trust you with his voice, he'll trust you with the next step. And to me, that's my, been my whole journey. Um, uh, you know, you, sometimes you struggle with things because you're like, man, like, what am I doing? I can remember in the church plant that we had, we had three people show up. Uh, we had myself, uh, my uh, future wife, <laughs> and the worship leader. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, the future and the, the worship leader had to leave early. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember actually showing up, and uh, no one had actually shown up except us three. And so he said, "You know what? We're just going to do this anyways." And I remember that moment, God saying. I'm testing you. Are you doing this for other people? Or are you doing this for me? Mm. And so I did my full message. <laughs> you uh, preached. I preached. Wow. <laughs> and she stayed. Wow. We, and then, yeah, Gina, my wife stayed. Wow. <laughs> she stayed and she married you. I mean, and that must have been a good sermon, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know what happened? What happened, that test, that of faithfulness, the next week we had like 20, 30 people that just showed up out of the blue. Wow. What it was, was a test to say, are you going to do what I'm calling you to do? Mm-hmm. Right. And are you going to do when I call you to do it? And so everything has really happened because of that. Like, um, about five years ago, we really felt God tell us to move out to Niagara. And, um, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to come. <laughs> and, uh, that's just the honest truth. I did not want to come. And in fact, actually I said, no, when I was invited, the first time I said, no, I'm not coming. And I got off the phone. And in that moment, God said, go, you're going. And they called me back two, three days later and said, we really need, we really want you to come. And there was a lot of circumstances, situations that just did not make sense. I'm like, ah, I don't know why we're doing this. And um, we had, we had actually put on our house on the market. I think it was 120 days before that or 90 days before that or something. And it just worked out like the day our house closed, the new house came into being and we got into this new place. And, um, but that was, that was a little bit because of, that wasn't because of my great idea or planning or formulation or five-year plan or 10-year plan. That was because it was like, okay, today, God, 
And I really believe that God wants to talk to us more than we want to listen. And if he really wants us to do something, he'll tell us over and over again until we get it. And so sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes it's easy. And um, I think every day you have that, every single day. Um, it's like, God, I need to know you more. So to me, to me, that's the journey. And, uh, and that's what I learned and sort of over the years is, yeah, it's not about the to-do. The to-do comes and the to-do is what it is. Um, but the, the, the to be, because when I get to heaven, it's all about, does he know me and do I know him? Mm. Right. And so everything here, all ministry, everything's not going to be there. <laughs> right. And so Central Community Church is going to be the church. <laughs> it's just the church. Um, the, right. Everything we have is just going to be, uh, it's not going to be about the name brands. It's not going to be about anything like that. Have we been faithful in the moment when he asks us, have we been faithful? So I've been learning that. And I've learned that, but I'm still learning that. I think we're all learning that, right? Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about when you were talking about the journey to even church planting, um, one of the questions I had was, what's the why? You know, part of, I believe, in the to be as opposed to the to do is when you become the person God wants you to become, the why of your life becomes strong. And, And what I mean by that is, you're not driven by you're not driven by the results you're not driven by the size of the church or you're not driven by how many people show up or how much money you have those things become secondary as you're saying what really stands out is this is why i'm doing what i'm doing here's why god is calling me you know the sense of overall mission for your life becomes what you are motivated by and so obviously the first why is because you love God. And because you love God, you want to do what God wants you to do. You want to obey God. And then the second why is here's why God wants me to do this because God loves me, but he also loves somebody else. He loves people. And so you begin to do things not out of the idea of duty or obligation, but because of love. And it's interesting when, when David was at the front lines in for Samuel, you know, he says, is there not a cause? And his cause was, hey, you can't say that about my God. I mean, he wasn't, uh, it didn't sound like he was as interested in the nation necessarily or in the army or any of that as he was in, you cannot blaspheme the name of God. You just don't do that. And again, uh, you know, it's an interesting analogy because, that was sort of what David was all about. He was about being in God's presence. You know, even later on, he was this worshiper who loved the presence of God. So the presence of God motivated him to do. And it ended up being something great that he did, but it didn't come out of this, I want to be great. It came out of, I just want to honor God. I just want to honor God's name. So what were some of the whys? that drive you even today, maybe, but I'm just thinking of that moment of church planning. Cause I can imagine that that was a difficult journey. That was a journey of incredible faith for you to take those steps. And, uh, you know, and also, uh, you know, I'm around people that are having these conversations, young people, millennials that are saying, Hey, uh, you know, I feel God's calling me. I feel, I want to step out in faith. I feel like I need to, I need to plant a church. Well, that's a, that's an incredibly, you know, difficult, uh, important decision to make. And so I I guess, how do you help people frame the why? What was the why for you uh, that led you to take these steps of faith in your life? Hmm. That's a really good question. I, um, I think there's a couple things. I think the first thing is seeing other people who were in the same position I was and wanting to, um, wanting to just help. Um, seeing people who didn't know God, uh, really what had happened was we were invited to do a Bible study and I began to meet a bunch of people who had been hurt by church or had, uh, they were not going to church, had been in church for 20 years, but were not going anywhere. And, um, and what happened is we started a Bible study Mm. and so it naturally came out, well, you know what, maybe we should meet on a Sunday as well. And so that progression was pretty natural because of that. It was, it was actually just this thing that happened. I didn't have a plan. I didn't go about it the right way. I did it all backwards, <laughs> which I don't recommend. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's important to have a plan. I think 
I think, you know, it's, it's really difficult to, to create a recipe that other people can follow. Mm. And I think the ingredients that you can take away um, are to, are to understand a couple things. Uh, first of all, if you're called to minute, if you're called to pastor, or if you're called to full-time ministry, you don't need a position to do it. Mm. Um, and I learned that. I learned that actually the hard way um, early on. And uh, a mentor of mine once said, you know what, if God has called you to be a pastor and you have that gift in you, then pastor wherever you are. And so I was like, you know what, you're right. Um, I actually need to walk in my function wherever I am, whether I have a position or whether I don't have a position. So if I don't have a position in the church that I am called to be in right now, under the leadership that I am under uh, and I am called to, in that moment, I need to, as individuals come to me for advice or counsel, I actually can, in that moment, say, hey, listen, by the way, I feel like this is what the Word of God might share for you in your situation. Um, and not that you actually overarch the, the, the person who is in charge, but you can function in your function, in your calling, no matter your position. And at the end, I'd say, you know what, maybe that's a great question. This is my perspective. Maybe you want to go talk to the lead pastor who's here. So you're always coming under authority. You're always, you're always blessing leadership. You're not trying to subject yourselves. You're not trying to create a division in the church, but you can function in that function no matter where you're at. Mm. And, and it's something awesome that happens when a person does that. Um, and so I'd say that would be one of the ingredients. Don't look to start a nonprofit organization ministry before you're actually functioning mm. uh, in your function without that. <laughs> right. Um, and I'd say that, I think that's number one. And don't think that you've got to have this big, massive platform for yourself. God will call the Davids out when he finds it's the time to do that. Mm. There was times that David had was called king, but he had to actually sort of run. He had to, there were things that he had to do, and that's a hard place, but he had to actually grow in that back wilderness position as a shepherd uh, and learned a lot of leadership lessons, leading sheep uh, from the back lines, and then God promoted him and called him at the right time. So I think, I think that's one thing I would say, um, uh, encouraging. And the why, the why would be out of love for God. You're right. There's, there's obviously this mission that drives me personally to see people come to know God, mm. right? God has put in me something that I want to see people come to know him because I was there and I want to see people discipled and I want to see new believers flourish in their faith. Um, and I feel though that's connected to my own personal calling. Um, and so I, that why actually comes out of knowing who I am. Right. Mm. Um, and so, so for example, a person might say, well, who am I? And you, you do some, let's say assessments or God shows you, man, yeah, I've got a gift of this. As you begin to exercise it, uh, where you are planted right now, where you're planted, God will begin to reveal the the depths of that call mm. more personal to you and it begins to grow in you a little bit at a time and then that individual why will take place because i think for example that's my call my calling is to see um organizations set up so that disciples can flourish and people can come to know god wow. and that's that's what i realized that all these gift sets all these things that i had but I wouldn't have understood that unless I started exercising them. Mm. And so I'd say start, start exercising. And, um, and then those things will be, will sort of come out. That's really good. As you're talking, I'm just thinking of, it's like this journey of first the who, right? So uh, who is God to us? Who are we in Christ? Then the why comes. So why do I do certain things? Or why do I have this desire? Why is it for people? Is it for God first? Those kind of things. And then then the what comes. Like you got to go through that process of who, why, and then what. Like what is it going to actually be? Um, and again, that can look different in different seasons. But as long as we're discovering who is God, who are we 
in Christ and why do we want to do these things? Like, is it out of a desire to serve people, to serve God, to, to, um, you know, take people who are far away from God and bring them into a relationship with him, those kind of things. So, and then out of that, we start to see, you know, whether it's in a pastoral position, leading a nonprofit in the workplace as, you know, whatever level it might be, but it's only after we begin to discover those things first. And I think also, Emily, it, it, it's, it's also um, trying to get some of the lies out of our minds because I think there's a lot of lies. I think one of the lies is um, for me to operate at peak performance is to operate in a ministry setting. Right. <laughs> um, I think that's something people don't realize that God has actually positioned them where they're at. Yeah. And there's major influence and it's changing our perspective as to actually maybe God has put me there to be an influence there that I could not be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and then there, there's these beliefs too that, um, yeah, I should be doing it a certain way. And there's something that happens when you're pressure tested and you take and you struggle with something over a period of time, how God refines the what and the why in you. Yeah. And I, I think don't run from that. Mm. Don't run from the struggle and don't run from letting that be tested in you over and over and over again. And um, don't make rash decisions. <laughs> don't jump. Uh, wait on God. Just wait on God. And um, yeah, and I think you see that with Abraham. You're right. You're absolutely right. You see that with Abraham. He had this feeling, this is where I'm supposed to go. And then he's trying to make it happen over time, right? Mm-hmm. And he has to understand who he is and who he's not. Or David tried to build the house and it was like, no, you're not building the house. Your son's building the house. Mm-hmm. And so th- the what is not the goal because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, we're to become like Christ. So at the end of the day, God's goal for us is we look like Jesus mm-hmm. when we enter his presence. And the to-do is a part of the process of becoming who we're supposed to become. You know, in wrapping up, uh, I, I just want to ask you this question. You've, you've obviously had experience in various levels of Christian ministry, you know, church planting, you're speaking to one person. Today, in your, you're in a church that's literally reaching thousands of people every weekend. Um, and so talk to us about the church in Canada. Talk to us about the mission of God in Canada. If there are people listening to you today that are saying, Pastor Jonathan, I sense a call from God. No, no, we're not talking about people that are working um, in the secular and sort of their, their call to the marketplace. As you rightfully said, they can legitimately do what God's called them to do in the marketplace. But then there's also those who are called like yourself to step out and say, you know what, I want to fulfill God's mission in a vocational perspective, say it's church planting or something along those lines. But I look at Canada and I wonder, is it possible? Can God do something here? Can our nation, it seems to be sometimes that I listen to the news and I look at the politics and the culture uh, that we're in, and it seems to be moving away from God and asking the right questions and getting answers from God. It seems to be moving away from that, not towards that. Um, What would you say to somebody that's called and how would you encourage them today? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because I think like you, I I watch the news, <laughs> and and one day you think, man, what are we doing here? And then the other day you think, well, actually, you know what? There's hope. <laughs> and um, I think you go back to listen to God's voice. So I'm going to say that again. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think that you, if you look around, there's actually there are successful stories of people making a difference for God in our. Uh, country. And I think from out west to out east, there I could name dozens of ministries of uh, that where God is using people um, in different arenas to to really shape our society for him. And um, and so you see that. And so I think I think if you're feeling that God is calling you to some area of ministry, then you do that and you trust him for that. Mm-hmm. And you trust that he'll lead you, he'll protect you, he'll guide you 
where the, the place you're you're going. He'll change the way you think. Um, he'll change your expectations. Uh, he'll change uh, in you um, how things are done. I don't believe. Uh, I believe the church is in the midst of a bit of a revolution, uh, a bit of a different way of doing things. Um, in Canada, I think we are moving to more of a, I think we're moving to a lot of smaller church, mm-hmm. smaller churches. I think more and more people like community, authenticity. Mm-hmm. I think people like um, being associated, connected to a real cause in their community. Um, and I think millennials in this generation uh, actually are going are in the midst and are going to bring a fresh type of Christianity that Canada hasn't seen. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it's different. It's going to be different. It's going to look different. It's going to, it, the, the, it's, the model is going to be totally different. And you start looking around and I think there's a lot of, I think God is working. Actually, I was talking to this missionary and, um, he made an interesting comment to me a while back that actually has not gone out of my mind. And it's this, that sometimes when God wants to move in a region, um, he has to move his kids out of the way. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting because having some kids of my own, I love doing projects with them, but I, when I really want to get something done, <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's time for you to sort of take a seat to the side and, and in some cases, you can look at the church and say, man, stats are showing there's a steady decline of 1% in church attendance every year for the last 50 years. And you could look at the stats that say that. And so what's the church going to look like in the next five years or 10 years? Um, but I wonder, is God actually at work behind the scenes? Um, and is he diffusing and dissolving the things that we hold really dear? Mm. And taking away the things that we hold really dear and actually uh, bring it to the forefront, the things that really matter. And so will the modern day church look the same in 10 years? I don't think so. But will the church, will the church, will Christians, will communities and pockets of believers exist all over this country in ways that they make an impact into their region? I believe so. I believe so. And I think, I think it's all comes back to, you know, if you feel this call from God, God is calling you to be part of his church and to be part of um, advancing uh, his kingdom on that, on that side, go for it. If that's what he's calling you to do. Awesome. Well, listen, this has been a, a delight to have you on the, the podcast today, Pastor Jonathan. And uh, thank you for sharing your story and your journey. And uh, for those of you that are listening, I want to encourage you, ask those questions mm-hmm. that God wants you to ask. And uh, Emily, you can jump in here as well. But, uh, you know, ask the questions and, and, and follow after God. Because, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things I loved what Pastor Jonathan just mentioned is that Uh, you know, you may not have it all planned out. You may not have your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. You may not know know, when to sell the house so you can buy the right house in a new place that God is taking you. But but if you will follow his voice and his leading, uh, there is no telling what God can do uh, through your life. And and I love what you said at the end, Pastor Jonathan. It may not look like what you think it Mm -hmm. should look like based on the past and based on your experience, but it will still have the impact that God wants you to have. Yeah. And I'll say too, you know, for me personally, I would, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. I had a rebellious stage, but even in that time, I never doubted whether God existed. I was one of those people that just always knew God existed, but I just went through a season of kind of discovering, you know, you know, I was similar to you where I was bullied, put down. And so I just went through this kind of identity crisis in a sense, but you know, it's like, I didn't ask those questions because I really did believe God. But as I got older and I got more into, you know, this desire to see other people come to Christ and, and kind of really, you know, be, doing stuff like um, at Passion to Reach where we're doing developments and trainings or talking to people. I'm real. I had to go back 
actually and ask those questions I didn't ask years ago because I was like, wow, people do have those questions. And even though it, for me, there was this level of like, I, I always believe that there was a God. I more had to discover, okay, more have a level of understanding my identity in Christ. But I had to go back and ask those questions because not even necessarily just for my sake, but for those that maybe had those questions or I wanted to witness to, or I wanted to help kind of disciple and develop. So it's important, not just for ourselves, but for others to be asking those questions. So even if you're like, oh, I believe there's a God, it's good to just uh, do a level of discovery and begin to uh, look into into those things. Absolutely. So Pastor Jonathan, thank you for being on the Mission Connect podcast today. I know I was blessed and I'm sure that those who are listening and who will be listening to this podcast uh, will have much to gain uh, from uh, your life, your journey, uh, God's mission for your life and, uh, and all the wisdom that you've shared with us. So thank you. Thanks Pastor Fernando and Emily. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was incredibly insightful. And, you know, he has a lot of wisdom and it comes from uh, those years and those times of really seeking God's answers. You know, a lot of times we're asking God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? But we're not taking that time to really discover God, discover who we are in Christ. Why do we want to do, like, why do we do the things we do? And and so then comes um you know, the what or the actual doing, but in the, until we begin to ask those questions about who is God and, and, and why is it important that I serve God or why do I serve God in those things? It's, it's, um, for him, it, it really set him on a path to discover his purpose. And I believe that's true for everyone. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, even discovering your unique purpose only starts when you start asking those questions, because sometimes you can follow somebody else's purpose easily because you watch them, you see them do it. Maybe they're very forceful in wanting you to join them. And because you don't know any better and you think it's a good thing to do, you just sort of follow along and do their thing until one day you ask yourself, wait a minute, was this really what I was supposed to do? Uh, Did I ask the right questions before I got onto this journey? And so I thought it was just really insightful. And especially when you talked about that personal relationship with Christ. And I know that so, sounds so basic. And yet, so often we miss that. You know, am I hearing from God? Am I following yeah. God? Am I doing the things I do because I love God as opposed to just because, well, you know, one, I can, I'm talented and I can do it. Or two, that's what everybody else thinks I should do. So I'm just going to do it. Uh, so I thought it was just really insightful. So listen, if you are listening to this, heard this podcast, I want to encourage you, especially if you're in Canada, I want to encourage you that God has, even as Pastor Jonathan Gallo said, God has a plan for our nation. Uh, and mm-hmm. it may not look like what it looked like in the past, but God wants us to make a difference in uh, this nation of Canada. And I believe that God wants to use you as you're listening to this uh, to make a difference, to change the course of the history of our nation. So I pray, we pray that you will ask the right questions and you will follow the leading of the Lord and that God will use you to fulfill his mission for your life. And through that, his plan and will for our nation as well. So with that, listen, I want to encourage all of you to please check out our website again. It's passiontoreach.com. You can email us at missionconnect at passiontoreach.com. We love hearing from you and uh, keep those emails coming. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.